0: As we come to Matthew 18, last week we talked a little bit about Matthew 18 when the disciples came to Jesus and, and they, they said, Lord, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who's the greatest? Now, Jesus, if if you remember from last week, we talked about how Jesus had just been telling them, uh, just a, a little bit before that, he had just been telling them that he's going to go to Jerusalem, reminding them again, I believe it was the second time it's recorded, that he told them that he's going to Jerusalem and he's going to be killed and he's going to be buried and he's going to rise again. But their focus was not on what he was going to do. Their focus was on what they were going to get to do. And what they were going to get to be... You know, the Bible shows us that we have have three enemies uh, that we face, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And they fight against us in three ways, the lust of the eyes, the the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. The lust of the flesh, that's the desire to do. The lust of the eyes is the desire to have, and the pride of life is the desire to be. It's those, those those desires to do and to have and to be what God has not granted unto us what God has not given his stamp of approval on for our lives and the disciples were saying Lord we want to be promoted we want to be to have have a position of authority in your kingdom so uh, which one of us is going to be the greatest they were still expecting that he would go to Jerusalem and and uh, defeat the Romans and and set up his kingdom on earth and Jesus Jesus looked at him and he said fellas He said, I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is that that kingdom that it's the authority that Jesus has working spiritually here on earth at any given moment, and, and right now he's at work, and his kingdom is being manifest through the local church, through his church, and, and uh, he, says, he, he says, look, if you're wanting to be a servant, if you're wanting to serve in my kingdom, if you're wanting to be a part of my kingdom, he said, you can't even begin to be a until you humble yourself, until you are changed, your heart is changed, and you convert, until you humble yourself. He showed them their pride and their need for humility. He said, whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this, as this little child, the same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. God says, Jesus said here, if you want to be the greatest then humble yourself. That's what he's talking about when he says the, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. If you promote yourself, if you're pushing yourself in your own agenda, if you're, trying to be, if you're trying to be great in the eyes of man, the Bible says that you'll be, the, you'll be the least in the kingdom of heaven. But if your passion is to humble yourself and to serve one another in love, as God's word says from the heart serving God and by, doing, by serving God from the heart we're serving one another in love if, if we're doing that then we're not seeking for our own uh, but we're looking out for the needs of others and we're, we're looking out for the ways that we can do that in a way that's not going to glorify us but it's going to glorify God there are many people that like to that like to uh, uh, try to you know maybe they uh, run for political office and everything, and they like to talk about how many programs they have set up to help the poor and the homeless. But what does that do when they when they talk about all that? It promotes themselves. And and yes, we ought to we ought to have compassion on those that that do not have uh, have uh, the the basic needs. We ought to have compassion. We ought to, uh, to show some love and to, and to, share, uh, to share with them, uh, to, to show the love of Christ through us. The Bible says, as you have opportunity, do good to all men, especially those that are of the household of faith. See, the, through this, the Bible tells us, the Bible is showing us that not only are we going to humble ourselves to, uh, to be like little children, but Jesus is also showing us the way that we should live as part of his kingdom. And he says, he shows us here, in, in starting in verse 5, he shows us, first of all, the compassion we should show. The, the, the Kingdom care that we 're wanting to show for one another the, the way that we live our life is to be, is to reflect Jesus Christ, so he wants us to, He wants us to humble ourselves to not boast of ourselves and to, to make a lot of ourselves, but he wants us to humble ourselves and be like children and to follow him in faith and to, and to be obedient to him, and he wants us to have care for others. He he says, he shows us here the compassion we should show. He says in verse 5, and whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. So he remember, he he's talking about, he's talking about this little child that he set in the midst to show the disciples, uh, to, to show the disciples an example of who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He said, Except you're converted and become like this little child. He said, you can't can't even be a part of the kingdom of heaven. He said, he said, but if you'll humble yourself, whoever humbles himself will be the greatest. You know, God wants us to care for children, of course. God has given us responsibilities as parents to care for our children, to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. God wants us to care for children. God's God's heart is, uh, the Bible says, Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. Allow the little children to come to Christ. Teach them and train them to come to Christ. So sweet, this morning as we were setting things up, Nathaniel came in and and I was kneeling here plugging some things in and getting some things straightened up and he came over and he put his arm around me and he said, I love you. And I said, I love you too. And he said, he said, and Jesus loves you. And I said, yes, and Jesus loves you. And he said, Jesus loved us so much that he died on the cross, and, and he, rose, he rose after three days, and he went back to heaven. Like, Amen. Amen. We're, hey, he's being taught. In, in, at home and, and in and, uh, the, the class we have there at growth group and he's being taught in the children's class that Jesus loves you. And you know what? He believed it. He believes it. He's learning those things. God wants us to care for children and to teach them. But it's not just physically a child that he's talking about. Remember, he said, whoever humbles himself as this little child, the same is the greatest. He said, so if you take care of one who humbles himself to serve and, and humbles himself to be like a little child that's trusting and obedient and doing the will of their master, doing the will of their father, doing the will of the, the one that's, that's leading them and commanding them. He said, if you, if, if you care for them, he said, you're doing it to me. We should have care for one another. We should love one another. We should serve one another. And, and, and you know What? the bible doesn't give us a it doesn't he doesn't give us a, a scale by which we should measure one another and say well when you reach this point then i get to serve you because we'd always find people you know not measuring up to that we we'd hold it up and say nope i don't have to serve them oh good 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 yeah and looking at everybody and then hold up to ourselves like, well i don't know why they're not serving me isn't that our our nature? Isn't that our tendency? And and so he says he says. You shall, uh, he said, whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. That word receive, it's talking about uh, caring for them and, 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 and uh, making sure their needs are met and, and doing good for them. The Bible tells us in, in Matthew 25, the king shall answer and say unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. The way we treat one another, Jesus said, is the way that in essence we're truly treating Him. The compassion we should show. We ought to to have a heart of compassion, a heart of care one for another. We ought to be loving one another and serving one another. We ought to be esteeming other as better than ourselves. You know, Jesus showed us one of the greatest examples of, of, of serving in love. Whenever on the 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 day before his crucifixion, he gathered with his disciples in the upper room. Went right before they they uh, they shared the uh, what we call the the Last Supper, and it was the uh, what we observe now as communion or the Lord's table, and, and so uh, we, he gathered together there in the upper room, and the Bible says that Jesus took an apron and girded himself, and he took a basin of water, and he knelt down before his disciples and washed their feet. It was the custom in Israel in that day that, uh, that when, when uh, guests would come into your house, that, uh, or if you're holding a, a banquet or something, that, that the... The host was responsible to care for his guests and and one of the ways that he would care for the guest is to have to have his servant, the least of his servants to go and to wash the feet of the guests and if and if the and if uh, the servants uh, and, and, in a situation like this if If there there were no servants, then it would be the responsibility of the least of the guests. The person who is least esteemed in that group. It would be their place to wash the feet of everyone else. Jesus gathered with his disciples and he's hosting this meal together. And they walk in off of those dusty streets and Jesus humbles himself even though he is the greatest even though he's greater than all he humbled himself to wash his disciples' feet he showed compassion he showed care he showed love and he took care of them and Jesus said when you care for the least of my brethren you've done it to me the bible says be careful uh, to and, and to to care for others, he said, he said, because you don't know, but you you might be entertaining angels unaware. Whoa. Now many times we know people and we know they're no angel. But we still ought to care for them, don't we? Shouldn't we? We still ought to care for them. We still ought to show the love of Christ. But you don't know what they've done. Yeah, but Jesus does and he forgot about it. Well, oh, no, he didn't forget. He chose not to remember it. Amen? Amen? He's, he's omniscient. He knows everything. He doesn't forget anything, but he chooses not to remember our sin. When we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the Bible tells us that we ought to forgive others even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That doesn't leave us any room to not serve one another. The Bible tells us in Galatians, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Does all exclude the mean people? No, it doesn't, does it? Does all include everybody? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, even that guy, and you know who that guy, you know, yeah, yeah, it includes that guy. Yeah, do good to all men. But notice what it says, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. We're to do good to all men, to everybody, saved and lost. We are to do good to believers and unbelievers. We are to do good to faithful Christians. And we are to do good to militant atheists. We are to do good to Christians. We are to do good to to Hindus. We are to do good to Buddhists. We are to do good to Sikhs. We are to do good to Muslims. We are to do good to Jews. We are to do good to Everybody. Everybody. Do good to all men. Especially those that are of the household of faith. So especially if someone is a believer in Jesus Christ, that's our brother or our sister. Regardless of Race, uh, well, what people call race. We know there's only one race. It's human race. Uh, uh, but uh, regardless of nationality, of ethnicity, regardless of language, regardless of of, what, of whatever, if they are of the household of faith, we're to especially do good to them. We're to take care of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And he says, inasmuch as you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me, Jesus said. And you know, sometimes, sometimes we're, we're, we, have, we have in our mind that you know, it just can be too much. I'm, I'm serving and I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to take care. I'm trying to show the love of Christ. But you know, it's just, it's just too much. You know, it gets exhausting serving. Jesus tells about a servant, though, that, uh, that had gone out into the field and he had worked all day long. He had served in the field all day long, and then he came in from the field after, after his day of labor, and he came in and, and got cleaned up, and, and he prepared a meal for his master and his master's guest, and, and he went in and he, and he served his master and his master's guest, and, and whenever he finished doing all that, he said, I am an unprofitable servant. How in the world is that? Because he said I've only done that that was required of me. Sometimes we don't even do what God requires of us as his children and we feel like that we've earned a gold star. But even when we do what God has commanded us to do we shouldn't feel like boy, God, I did you a favor today. No, see, there's, there's always going to be some more, something more that we can do to serve. But he tells us in, in Galatians 6 and verse 9, he said, let us not be weary in well-doing. Hey, don't get overwhelmed with serving God. Don't let living for God and serving God and serving others just overwhelm you let us not be weary in well-doing don't get tired of doing good see many times many times we feel so good about ourselves if we've gone through an hour and a half without doing something bad but god but the christian life is not just about not doing bad It's about doing good. The Bible says Jesus went about doing good. And we ought to, on purpose, do good. We ought to do good in the details. We ought to do good to one another. We ought to do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. And let us not be weary in well-doing. Don't get tired of doing good. The Bible says, for in due season, and that's in God's timing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not, if we don't say, God, I'm, I've just been serving you and I am done, and throw in the towel. If we faint not, if we don't give up, if we don't give in, if we don't uh, just stop in our tracks. The Bible says we shall reap reap. If we faint not. He's telling us just keep serving. Just keep going. Just keep loving like he did. And I'm glad that he loved us the way that he did. I'm glad that he served us completely the way that he did. He served us and loved us all the way to the cross. And he died on the cross for you and for me. And gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Serving us even to the death. The Bible says Jesus humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Oh, what a wonderful Savior is Jesus. The Bible says we are laborers together. With God. Hey, here's a reason not to get tired of doing good. Here's a reason not to get tired of doing right. Here's a reason to not be weary in well-doing because we are laborers together with God. Hey, we're we're in this, we're in this work, we're in this service uh, ourselves, but we're in this service together with one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and we're in this service together with God. And He's given us His Holy Spirit that indwells us and that's encouraging us and speaking to us. And we need to be sure that we're walking closely with Him so we hear that still small voice encouraging us to just keep going on. I'm grateful for those that, uh, that we're able to serve God with. I'm, gl- I'm grateful for you as we serve God together. Uh, I've, I was reading a while back about, about, uh, uh, about Canadian geese. Now that sounds like an odd topic, doesn't it? But I was reading about Canadian geese and you know how when they go to fly they fly in that V formation. And and the one the one that's at the point of that V, he's he's uh, he's flapping his wings and he's and the the uh, I don't understand all the science behind it, but the the current that he is creating by flapping his wings goes back and it helps the next guy. It helps the the geese that are that are behind him the two that are that are behind his wings there and they're they're able to enjoy the the current from his wings and as they're flapping it helps the next one and that helps the next one and that helps the next one all the way back and so you know what the ones are doing in the back they're back there saying hey thank you honk 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 thank you thank you thank you for for helping me back here and then that one's saying to them to the next one before him hey thank you thank you and the one up there and they're thanking him each other and encouraging each other and they're saying just keep going just keep flapping your wings just keep flying and you know what God's given us to each other to say hey thank you for standing thank you for serving just keep going keep on serving God keep setting that example you're helping me and you know what it does when somebody says you're helping me hey it helps you doesn't it That encourages you and then you're like, yeah, I got this, you know. (laughs) Amen. Hey, 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 we're serving one another and we're doing it as unto the Lord. Not doing it to say, hey, look at me, how great I am. I'm just awesome. No. We're labors together with God. The Bible says you're God's husbandry, you're God's building, You're, you're God's work. Matthew 28 tells us Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Jesus has all power, and he's working in us, and he's working through us to help us to do his will. He's helping us to take the message of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Now, there are, those that, there are those that would say that, that preaching the truth of the word of God is hate speech. But there's no better way to show love than to speak truth. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever, I command you. I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. God has given us a command to serve one another and to serve one another in love. And especially to serve those that are of the household of faith. And he, he said, he said, when you receive one of these who has humbled himself, when you care for one of these that's humbled himself like a child to, to, to truly be a servant in the kingdom of God and to serve in my kingdom, Jesus said, he said, you're receiving me. You're caring for me. In September Lord willing, we'll have some, we'll have some people in to, uh, to share with us about the work that God has called them to do whether it's going uh, to some city in California or some other state or or some other country to take the gospel of Jesus Christ and to reach the unbelievers with the message of Jesus and to see people saved and to see churches established. And we want to bring these people in as they share with us what God has called them to do, how God is working through them to establish churches to reach multitudes of people around the world. And you know what we want to do? We want to serve them. We want to take care of them. We want to, we want to support them. We, we currently support three, um, three mission projects, uh, three missionaries. Uh, we, ser- we, we support the, the Johnson family in, uh, in the Dominican Republic. And we, we support uh, Mike and Teresa Gardner. Remember, they came here and served with us here for, for several months, helping us to, to get the word out in our community about, about what God is doing at Crosspoint. And they've gone on and they're helping a church over in Arizona that just started when they went out there. And, and their plan is to go and help another one and then to go help another one as God would allow them time to serve Him. And we, we're supporting them. And then we're, we're supporting uh, Dominic uh, Calmetta there in Murrieta. He's, he's start, he and his wife Amanda have started the, uh, the Restoration Baptist Church and, and they're reaching people with the gospel. They're doing what we do here. So why are we helping them? Because we want to be an encouragement. We want to care for them. We want to be a part of what they're doing. We want to invest in them and see that their needs are taken care of. And when we do it to them, Jesus said, you're doing it to me. We want to be a part of what God is doing around the world. So Lord willing, in September, we'll bring in some more missionaries, hopefully three, hopefully uh, maybe even more than that, bring in some that we can support financially and we can invest in them as they go out into the part of the world that God's called them to. Because God has commanded us to go and to preach the gospel to every creature. Look here, takeaway number one, serving one another in love is perhaps the greatest, is perhaps one of the greatest and most rewarding lessons and privileges of the Christian life. Hey, we get to serve one another. We don't have to serve sin I've I've found when I try to please myself, when I try to serve self, I am miserable. Because you know what? I am never satisfied when I serve me. But when I serve others, it brings satisfaction. It brings joy. It is one of the greatest privileges. And learning to serve is one of the most rewarding lessons that you'll ever learn in the Christian life. We see, first of all, the compassion that we should show. Secondly, the warning we should heed. Jesus says, Who, Whoever receives one of these little children in my name, he said, receives me. But notice what he says next. He said, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. That's pretty strong, isn't it? A millstone was the big stone that that would be used in in the mill that would grind the that would grind the, the, the corn or grind the wheat or whatever it was and grind it to, to be powder. And and the, these millstones would weigh several hundred pounds. And Jesus said for someone to offend one of these little ones that believe in me, he said it were better that somebody took this millstone put it around your neck and cast you into the sea that's how seriously Jesus takes this this matter the word offend it it doesn't mean you hurt my feelings many times you know Today we uh, in today's society where people are people talk about being offended, being upset, and getting their feelings hurt, and you know they're triggered or whatever. The you know that, I know that was some of the words being used recently, and but it, it changes it changes every other week, so I don't even know what the hip words are now. But uh, uh, but many times we we look at this offend as in you hurt my feelings. It's not what he's talking about. The, the Bible word offend means, means to lead to sin or in this context it means to lead them away from serving God. To discourage them from serving God. And there, there are people out there there are people out there that would preach a message taking Bible verses and twisting them, resting the scriptures to their own condemnation, their own destruction the Bible says. And they'll they'll use these verses and they'll use these thoughts and these ideas to discourage you from serving God, to discourage you from taking a stand for Jesus Christ. I was I heard yesterday uh, this this guy who he about 10 years ago, he was a pastor here of one of the churches in Pasadena. And he, and he said that their church chose to, uh, to take a stand against a biblical, uh, a biblical stand. They chose to take a stand against something that God said was an abomination, a lifestyle that God says is sinful. And they said, we've chosen to do this because we remember that the Bible says that when God created man, that he said it was good. And so because God says that all men are good, who are we to say that they're bad? But you're forgetting something. You're forgetting that after God said that it was good, that man sinned, and sin ruined everything. God's way is always best. Shame on anybody for trying to twist God's word to please a group of people. Shame on anybody for trying to preach, the word of, to, to, to preach a message that twists the word of God to satisfy ourselves and to make somebody happy. We cannot, we cannot as, as ministers of the gospel, it, it, is, it is incumbent upon us to preach, thus saith the Lord, we preach Christ and Him crucified. We must not go into our study and open up the Bible and look at the verses and say, I wonder what this means. We cannot put our finger to the wind and try to see which direction the, the popularity, uh, and the, the popular belief is blowing. Hey, we must, not, we must not follow popular opinion. We must go with what the Lord says. Because popular opinion will discourage people from serving Jesus Christ. And if you discourage if anybody discourages someone who is trusting in Jesus and who is following Jesus and who is serving Jesus if if anybody discourages one from serving Jesus the Bible says it is better for them that a millstone were hanged about their neck and they were cast into the depths of the sea So you know what I don't want to discourage anybody And I know that that sometimes my opinions may be different from yours. My opinions may be offensive. And so I need to keep my opinion out of it. And I need to preach, thus saith the Lord. Because see, if I am offensive because of my opinion, then I'm wrong. But if if, if the preaching of the word of God is offensive... I need to be careful about how I'm saying it because I don't want to offend while preaching God's word. But if it's the word of God that is offending, that's not the problem of the word of God. And it's not the problem of the preacher. It's the problem of the one who is offended. But if we're humble and we're listening and we have a heart to do what God says, then we're going to listen, and we're going to see that this is what God says. And while it, may, while it may not make us feel comfortable to hear it, we need to hear it, and we need to submit to it. Billy Sunday, the great evangelist of, of years gone by, God used him in great uh, ways to, to reach multitudes of people with the gospel. One day he was preaching in, in this town and, and a lot of the people were getting upset with him because of what he was preaching and and some of the some of the religious leaders in the city came to him and they said, they said, Mr. Sunday, you are you are you're offending people, you're making people mad, you're you're rubbing the cat the wrong way. And he said, Well, turn the cat around. See, it's not the preaching of the word of God that needs to change. It is the people who hear the preaching of the word of God that need to change. And we as, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are so hypocritical to sit here in, in, in church and, to, and, to, be, and to, to be harboring sin in our lives and to be, to be feeding our own pride and then to go around pointing the finger at those out there that are living in sin who are, who are sinful, who are sinners, who are not saved, they're not regenerate, they're not redeemed yet. hey And for us to point the finger at them and say, Woe unto them, woe unto them, woe unto them. When we are prideful and sinful ourselves. Isaiah in chapter five of the book of Isaiah Isaiah the man of God goes around and he sees the sin around him and he's pointing the finger and he says woe unto them and woe unto them and woe unto them and woe unto them but then whenever he's in chapter 6 when he sees the Lord seated on his throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple the Bible says his glory was just, was just amazing and awesome and he heard the, 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 the seraphims flying around saying holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts the whole earth is filled with his glory Hey, Isaiah saw the Lord and he, he's, he didn't say, Hey, Lord, hey, do you see what they're doing over there? Woe unto them. That's not what he did. When he saw the Lord, he said, Woe is me. Woe is me. We need to humble ourselves. We need to get right with God. We need to turn the cat around. We need to repent. We need to have a revival in the church, a revival of true repentance, turning from our sin, turning from our pride, turning to God and saying, uh, "Saying, God, all to Jesus I surrender. Jesus said, Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. Hey, offenses will come people will be offended. The world is going to work to try to discourage you from serving God. The world is going to be opposing the work of God. The world is going to be fighting against the kingdom of God. It's going to be fighting against the kingdom of heaven. Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must be It must needs be that offenses come and notice this. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. I don't want to be guilty. So I push my opinions aside. I push my agenda aside. I just want to lift up Jesus. Preach his word. That's why the Bible says, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. See, we need to preach. Preach the word. Thus saith the Lord. We need to reprove. We need to say this is. Is what's wrong we need to rebuke hey if somebody is in sin we need to, we need to lovingly and compassionately and graciously say you are in sin you are wrong but we're to do it the Bible says with long-suffering giving God room to work in their lives, giving them space to realize their sin and to repent. It says, and with doctrine. Showing them in the word of God why it's wrong to do what they're doing. The Bible says, lie not one to another, seeing you've put off the old man with his deeds. As a believer, we're not to tell lies because that's the old life. That's the sinful man. The spiritual man is not to be telling lies. That's what the Bible says. So we tell people, we teach, don't tell lies. Let every man speak truth with his neighbor. The Bible says, honor thy father and thy mother. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We teach these things. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands a thing that is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Hey, these are Bible principles that we teach. Thou shalt not kill. Hey, we want to teach these things. We also want to teach the ones that are unpopular. We want to, we want to teach because God's word says it unpopular things like the soul that sinneth, it shall die. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. And death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire. We want to teach these unpopular truths because it's the word of God. We need to heed the warning To not discourage people from serving God. But rather to give them the truth. We want to give them the truth. The Bible says for the time will come. When they shall. They will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers. Having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth. And shall be turned unto fables. People are turning away from the truth. You know on On Monday. On Monday night, when we, when many of us were gathered over at the Rose Bowl uh, to, to, hear, uh, to hear Franklin Graham preach the gospel, and to see two hundred people make decisions for Christ that night, while we were gathered there, uh, either at the same time or earlier that day, there was a there was a church a, there was a church here in Pasadena that had a that had a gathering for the specific purpose of standing against. Franklin Graham, and the message that he was preaching that night. They call themselves Christians, and they, and they say that we serve the same God as the Muslims. It's not so. Does that mean we hate Muslims? No, not at all. We love them. God loves them. He wants them to come to the knowledge of the truth but by lying to them and saying that we're all the same, we just travel a different path. Hey, it's a lie. It's it's hateful. The Bible says they'll turn their ears away from the truth. It should be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. That means evangelize. Go share the gospel. Make full proof of thy ministry. Paul is writing this to young Timothy who is is a a pastor. And he's he's teaching him and training him uh, even and mentoring him in the ministry. But these are things that we should be doing as believers. We should be encouraging one another. And we should be evangelizing and sharing the gospel. George Barna, the Barna Group did a did a study, and they and they asked uh, they asked the they asked a group of, of professing Christians whose responsibility it is to preach the gospel and to share their faith. And they, they asked this question, they, they said, do you believe that it is every Christian's responsibility? Do you believe that it is every Christian's responsibility to share their faith? In 1993, 89% of professing Christians in this study agreed that it is every Christian's responsibility to share their faith. Today, only 64% believe it is our responsibility to share our faith. Jesus said, go ye, therefore. Jesus is speaking to the church and as part of the church, that ye means me. That ye means you. So when Jesus says to you, as part of the church, go ye, therefore. Whose responsibility is it to take the gospel to the world? It's mine. It's yours. Every Christian's responsibility to preach the gospel. Jesus said, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. You know what the fruits of the false, false gospel, the fruits of the false teachers, the fu- fruits of the false prophets that are out there today, you know what the fruit is? It's leading men and women away from the word of God. It's leading them to to accept things that the Bible says is sin. It's leading them to boast in themselves. Do You know, this this may come as a a surprise to some of you. You may may or may not know this, I don't know. But do you know, there, there is a satanic Bible that's used in the church of Satan. And the message, the, the, the gist of the, of, the, of, the, of the Satanic Bible says be all you can be. Be the best you that you can be and look out for you. It's all about you. And it's sad when that's being preached in so-called Christian churches. Beware of false Prophets. The Bible says, don't look out for yourself. The Bible says, look out for the needs of others. Serve one another in love. He says... You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. When you sow seed, you will reap what you sow. But what if people don't like it when I tell them that all have sinned and that means that they're a sinner? Just be careful that you're not being offensive in the way that you say. You don't. You don't say, "Hey, you're a sinner." <laughs> sinner. You know. No. When you say it like that, it kind of sets you up as some kind of pious jerk, really. Uh, but uh, that's that's not how we should come across. The Bible says we're all sinners, and speaking the truth, it does hurt sometimes. Have you ever had somebody to tell you the truth and it really hurt? It was painful to hear the truth. The Bible says in, in Proverbs 27, verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes a friend, a true friend, is going to say some things that, that wound and that hurt because they are a faithful friend. People have this idea that, that a friend is loyal and they're going to stand by you whenever you make good decisions and bad decisions. They're just going to support your decisions regardless what they are because they're your friend. And they're not going to say anything to you about it. No, that's not a friend. A friend is going to warn you when you're heading in the wrong direction. A friend is going is to tell you when you've messed up. A friend is going to lovingly help you see where you have done wrong so you can correct it. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. The world says, don't talk about sin and hell and negativity because that just makes people feel uncomfortable. People need to hear it. The world's way is kisses of an enemy. That's deceitful. God's way is a, let me tell you the truth in love. It may hurt, but I I love you enough to tell it to you. Amen. Takeaway number two, as the church, we are responsible to uphold the truth regardless of its lack of popularity. We're responsible. Now, why? Why are we responsible? Why do we need to show this compassion? Why do we need to heed the warning and be careful not to be offensive, to turn people away? Why do we need to tell people the truth even if it hurts them? Why do we need to do that? Let's look at number three quickly. The purpose we should remember. Remember the purpose we should remember as we read down through Matthew 18 we come to verse 11 and Jesus said for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost Jesus sole purpose for coming to earth was to save sinners Jesus Christ came into the world. Paul said this this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. We should remember the purpose for Jesus' coming. We should remember the purpose of of the church is to continue taking that message into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature. The gospel that says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's not whosoever shall join the church. It's not whosoever is a religious person. It's not whosoever has faith in faith and whatever their faith is in and just as long as they have faith. It's whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting Life, And as believers, that should be our purpose. Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. You are only to live your life in a way that reflects well on the gospel. What your life communicates to others should be Jesus Christ saves sinners and he makes a change in our lives. We shouldn't, we shouldn't say we're saved and live the way that we always have. But we should say that we're saved and reflect Jesus and the change that he makes in us. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.12 says, Ye are our epistles, written in our hearts, known and read of all Men. See, there are people that may never come to Cross Point Baptist Church that are your friends, your co workers, your neighbors, whatever. They may never come here to church, but they see you. They see you. They hear you as you're talking, uh, as you're talking to, uh, to your family, talking to your friends, talking to others. They see you get your Bible and, and go get in the car on Sunday mornings. They, they hear your children uh, talking about, uh, about Jesus, and, and they hear, they hear the, the songs that you sing. And, and uh, hey, is your life communicating to them that you're a Christian? Because you are the only Bible that many people will ever read. You are our epistle, Paul said. An epistle is a is a letter of of admonition. It's a letter of instruction. It's a a letter of information. And and you are our letter. You're our message to all men. You're known and read of, of people here in Pasadena. But when people read your life, what do they read? When they read your life and they see what what you're doing and they see the way that you live your life, are they drawn to Jesus Christ? When they read your life, do they read the gospel? You're our epistle. Look at takeaway number three. Our lives should be lived to reflect the love of Christ and his power to change lives. Are you changed? Are you different now? The things you used to do is your testimony that I don't do them anymore. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Are you living your life to show the world that Jesus saves and makes a difference? That's our purpose. So in doing that, to to have more opportunities to preach the gospel and to share the gospel, to have an open door to to give the gospel to a loved one. We need to be comp- compassionate and showing the care that God desires in his kingdom. Caring for others, doing good to all men, especially those that are the household of faith. We should be careful not to discourage anyone from serving God and not to not to turn anyone away from hearing the gospel. We should live our lives to reflect the love of Christ and the power that he has to change lives. So cross point how are we doing? When it comes to kingdom living, when it comes to, ki- to, to care that, that Christ desires in his kingdom, serving in his kingdom, are we honoring our king? Are we honoring our savior? Or would we have to take a step back and look at our lives and say, no, I've lived for me. I've served myself. I've not encouraged people to serve, but I've probably turned them away. Can we just get honest with ourselves let's Let's stop the woe unto you and woe unto you, woe unto you. Woe is me, Lord. I want to be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work, Lord. I want to be a reflection of you and your power to save and change lives. I want to show the world the care and compassion that you have. Lord, there are many out there that, that, are, that are preaching a message of hate. They are hating people. And Lord, it's on both, it's on, it's on both extremes. There are those that hate unbelievers and hate people who, who choose to live a sinful lifestyle. And on the other extreme, there are people that hate those who preach the truth. But Lord, help us to show what real Christianity is. Help us to show the world what the real church of Jesus Christ is all about. As we live to reflect your love and your power. Have mercy on us O Lord we pray revive thy work in the midst of the years revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee and help us who are called by your name to humble ourselves and pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways and may we see your power making a difference in us and through us as we are truly serving our King in your kingdom, charging and attacking the gates of hell that you said would not prevail against us. May your will be done in Jesus' name.